This is Primal Screen, a weekly radio show airing Monday evenings on Triple R. Primal Screen is about movies, from the ones on the big screen to the ones you stream. Hope you enjoy the podcast version and feel free to get in touch via the Primal Screen Facebook page or the Triple R website. Welcome to Primal Screen, a Triple R film criticism show and podcast. I am your host, Paul Anthony Nelson, and joining me again for a chance to win a bounty in cash and prizes are our carryover champs, writer, teacher, and resident book reviewer for the Breakfasters, Fee Wright. Good evening, everyone. Nice to be here. Lovely to have you. And writer and critic, Will Cox. G'day. How you doing? Good. Good. I hope everyone is well. This chilly. It is, it is brisk. It is brisk. We're all wearing our winter knits, which mm. is delightful. Turtlenecks, ahoy. And you've had a, a jab, Paul? I have. I've the jab duh. So I'm, I'm in recovery at That's the moment. That's two, isn't it? Yes, yes. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, I am, I am, I am fully vaxxed and feeling like crap, but I'm sure it passes in 24 hours, so it'd be great. First, we'll join Emily Beecham and Ben Wishaw in growing a self-sustaining, happiness-inducing plant that asks nothing but your complete devotion in director Jessica Hausner's Little Joe. Then we'll find ourselves stranded in a snowy guest house with a bunch of oddballs and try to figure out which one is a lycanthrope in director Josh Rubin's Werewolves Within. And finally, we'll build a liberating tiny house with Claire Dunn in director Phyllida Lloyd's herself. Also, as you listen to us chatting about these films, please feel free to hit us up on our social media channels and leave a comment. Just search for Primal Screen on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now it's time for the Primal Screen News Bulletin of the Week. As this week is NAIDOC Week, held across Australia to celebrate the history, culture, and achievements of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples, we just wanted to spotlight a couple of terrific documentaries, among many others, that will be screening free for all to see on the ABC iView streaming service this week. My favourite documentary of the year so far, uh, Firestarter, the story of Bangara, the exhilarating uh, and moving story of the insanely talented Page brothers, Stephen, David and Russell, who formed Bangara, Australia's first official Indigenous dance company, and My Name is Golpalil, about the incredible life and work of Indigenous actor, dancer and artist David Golpalil, which we reviewed on the show a few weeks back. You can catch those and many other excellent First Nations-themed documentaries, such as In My Blood It Runs, The Australian Dream, Marbo, Freeman, and Dabu, The Life, uh, Life of a Songman, which is also about Bangara's David Page, all on ABC iView right now, free for nothing. Also on that, has anyone else noticed that ABC iView have added movies to their platform? It's very leeching into the uh, SBS space. Mm. I don't have a problem and, with that. Yeah, I, I don't mind. <laughs> yeah, I was just that's an observation of of uh, cross pollination as opposed to negativity. They've done that for <laughs> a couple of years at summer uh, during summer, mm. and maybe this you know COVID, which I'm calling the endless summer for some mm. for some reason, <laughs> is uh, because we constantly seem to be on feel like we're on holiday, but yeah, not. not yeah 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 uh, yeah. I, 
I'm not sure if that's the kind of endless summer uh, surfing director Bruce Brown had in mind. Uh, <laughs> um, not the one the Beach Boys had in mind either. No. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I've never seen this many films on Ivy before. So they've so over the last month they've added something like 200 features. Uh, oh, every, oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, like newer films like The Florida Project, I, Daniel Blake, Paranormal Activity, Train to Busan, 80s bangers like Stand By Me, La Bamba, Roxanne, and Starman. Se- Starman. 70- yeah. Starman. Excellent. Starman. Well, I know what we're doing. <laughs> Straight like after it. this. Carpenter's Starman, um, which is great. I saw it for the first time myself last year and love it. 70s classics like uh, All That Jazz and The Way We Were, Best Picture winners like Waterfront, On the Waterfront and Oliver. And even golden age classics like Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, Mr. Yeah. Deeds Goes to Town, and The Big Heat. Hell yeah. This cr- is great. What a, yeah. I did not know any of this. Yeah, yeah. This is like really flown under my radar as, as well. I'm really surprised. Same. I only discovered this in the last few days, which is why I put it in the news section. I know it sounds like an advertisement, but I know we are uh, on this show being a community radio show as well. We are um, proponents of the free, the legally free movies wherever we can find them. Yeah. Other streaming yeah. services are available. Yeah. And and that's the thing. And this is this is a major one which hasn't really been publicised that I think people should really get into. Yeah. Although, although i got to say, I did get very excited when I saw an image of George Siegel and Elliot Gould from Robert Altman's <laughs> criminally difficult to find gambling comedy, California Split. Oh, man. Mm. And that's not on, on the platform. Uh, the image is misattributed to the no. Neil Simon ensemble comedy, California Sweet, oh. which I'm sure is also very good. Is it though? It's not. Like <laughs> it's not California it's Split. It's not I'll tell you that. Where can you legally get California Split in Australia? Right, right now, nowhere. Nowhere. There's a lot of films like that now. Mm. It's uh, incredibly difficult to find. Like, it doesn't have a Blu ray release anywhere in the world. Oh, really? It's, yeah. I saw it at Cinematheque about three years ago. It was great. It's one of Altman's best movies. You're just rubbing it in now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Is it, it, nowhere else. Nowhere else will anyone be exceptionally jealous of that experience than, was, than, than, than here. It was on once in one room three years ago. <laughs> and that's everyone that. else. Yeah. Um, back on uh, uh, slightly NIDOC week related matters, Netflix Australia and New Zealand have announced the Netflix Indigenous Scholarship Fund an initiative developed to elevate Indigenous voices. With a funding pool of $515,000, the fund covers a range of initiatives that aim to identify, train, and guide a new and ongoing generation of Indigenous professionals, according to the statement from Netflix ANZ, including a series of scholarships which will be given out over a two-year period. Rather than offering a set number of scholarships, the funding pool will be split between any number of projects, as decided by a panel including AFTERS and Netflix representatives, as well as Indigenous leaders from several education institutions, according to the announcement. So that's the news for this week. Now, please grab a chock top and join us for our first film of the week. This is a very special breed. You have to take good care of it. Keep it warm. Talk to it. Really? It's a living being. It needs attention and affection. Little Joe is the seventh feature film directed by Jessica Hausner. Alice, Emily Beecham, is a single mother and a dedicated senior plant breeder at a corporation engaged in developing a new species. She has engineered a very special crimson flower, remarkable not only for its beauty but also for its therapeutic value, 
If kept at the ideal temperature, fed properly and spoken to regularly, this plant apparently makes its owner happy. Against company policy, Alice takes one home as a gift for her teenage son, Joe. They christen it Little Joe, but as it grows, so do too does Alice's suspicion that her new creations may not be as harmless as their nickname suggests. Fee, did this sci-fi adjacent fable bring you happiness or lull you into a drone-like state? It was like Wes Anderson and his idea of a thriller with uh-huh. his colour scapes. But is it is it thrilling? Was anyone – I read sci-fi thriller and I was like – no. I thought maybe. <laughs> well, no, where's just... Anderson's Invasion of the Body Snatchers? Yeah, the oh, colour yeah. schemes and things, very akin to that. But there was, I was like, yeah, it was more the stupor, I think, than the uh, than the thrill. I think it was going for a Yorgos Lanthimos kind of thing. Oh, yeah. But missing. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, you know, because the Yorg- like, Lanthimos has that um, recognisable, like, stilted performance kind of. Mm. Motif mm. that he brings in every time, but but this kind of gives people a like a plot purpose for the stilted performance, which kind of misses the point. Yeah, and it just step becomes, with Livesy. Yeah, yeah, mm. exactly. Yeah, mm. or, or invasion of the body snatchers, yeah, the, yeah. the the seventies one, not the fifties one, mm. or the one with Nicole Kidman, which nobody. Yeah, we don't discuss talks, that. Yeah, yeah. talks about. <laughs> um, don't forget the Abel Ferrara one from the early nineties. Oh god, oh, I had. I, yeah. Yeah, I totally forgotten that. But but this feels. Uh, kind of old-fashioned, you know, like it feels like um, because a very simple dystopia, I thought, mm. the design and that green, that mm. green hue feels like the Matrix or something. Except like for in a- when she's in therapy, when it's red. Oh, is that red there? Yeah. I was yeah. trying to work out all the whole film if the coats were actually green or if it was... No, nah, yeah, was a- it was the green, the green through the coats and then when she was in therapy, the walls were red and the, the lighting shifted, the colourways shifted. What for? <laughs> And there's the blue light, the blue Symbolism. wall in the house where the plant is as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, and the purpley kind of glow on upon it as well. I think yeah. that clip that you just played, it's, it felt that that was great. That made it mm. feel really exciting and sinister and full of weight, you know, and then you actually watch the film and you're like, oh. Where was, isn't... yeah, where was the oomph? Did you feel the oomph, Paul? Where, where, what were your oomph vibes? Where were my oomph vibes? Mm. My, well, that clip to me is very indicative of the entire movie because... Everybody speaks like this. Mm. And so it's, everything is delivered with mm. a two-second pause in between half sentences. Mm. Yeah, I don't have a great history with director Jessica Hausner's films. Mm. Um, I saw her moody horror thriller Hotel at MIFF way back in 2004 and hated it. Then her Khan award-winning film Lord is in 2009, which I found intriguing but a bit mm. high on its own supply. Mm, mm. And, again, all three of her films are like that I've seen are incredibly glacially paced. It's, it's her thing. Um, but I was pleasantly surprised to find myself reasonably engaged by this. Um, it's, it is kind of that, I mean, I, and I think part of the issue with this film is that you two mentioned two filmmakers who are funny, like mm. Wes Anderson and you're like, there's no real sense of like demonstrable sense of humor here. Yeah. It's just kind of like very 
Very she just looks straight. Like she's very out of um, um, the Royal Tenenbaums at various points when she's wearing like a colour tracksuit. That's all I could think. I was it's like the lost Tenenbaum. Very, it's very mannered with the red hair. And mm. the, yeah. yeah. It's very. It's almost like graphic novelish at times, like mm. very comic book, the it, way yeah. these and, sort of colours and things stick out. And mm. maybe that's – I was thinking that. I was thinking this might be a more satisfying read as a comic. But, mm. but but this doesn't – it never felt like it had any, um, any subtext or depth to it. You know, it was just – it's literally a story about – Mm. Plants coming to life, and and there's a very basic. Maybe it's a level of like a Twilight Zone or something, but it's yeah, ninety yeah, it's minutes twi- instead of thirty. Yeah, and- yeah. The the thing that there was one one thing I really enjoyed about it actually, which was at points I found a little heavy handed, but I liked what they were trying to do, and that was all the electric feedback and soundscape work. Mm. Like the the sound design in it, I thought was really interesting. There was lots of. Um, because you don't it's it's a film about science and a film about nature and those things intersecting but then the soundscape was devoid of anything natural mm-hmm. and it was very okay. synthetic um lots of kind of um uh tv static kind of synth like synthesizer sounds that they were layered on top of each other um which i wouldn't have recognized except i was watching the film with a synthesizer fanatic, so they were able to point mm-hmm. that out. So now I was like, "Oh, okay, that's something new I've learned." Um, so that 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 layering of soundscape actually, once my attention was brought to it, I actually went, "Oh, I can, I can see how certain sounds began to relate to certain characters and certain buzzes and things when there was some sort of ethical choice about to occur." Would mm. it's kind of like. Um, the feedback sound you might get when you're driving under those big um, electrical poles in the country. Mm-hmm. Mm. There was a lot of that kind of buzzing electronic cicada noise um, that I actually found really, yeah. really interesting. Yeah, see, it's like it's something that unless someone else has pointed it out to you, mm. I didn't I didn't grab it at first, but then as soon as I heard it, I started to really enjoy how that related to the characters. But that was that was my thing I, I enjoyed the most out of it was, was Yeah, you, you've taken me back a little bit. The, I I found I did find some of the soundtrack choices in this quite off putting. Mm, mm. And I think there was there was like a uh, there was sort of like a kind of a constant sort of beat that the, the drumming, sort of, the, the Japanese yeah, drumming, yeah. Mm. That was going for this unnerving feel but just seemed incongruous. And then there a was a the really time. dreadful closing song. <laughs> was just- oh that was a literal, a literal um, lyric of of the events of the, yeah. of the film. Yeah, <laughs> it was, was just narration. Yeah, I mean, obviously we can't tell you what happened at the end. Or, yeah, but I mean, just listen to the song. Yeah, just yeah. listen to the song. <laughs> I tell you all about it. Yeah, I again, like I thought it had some. Like I did find that colourful arch style quite pleasing to the eye. Mm. Um, and I did feel it sort of had a sense of humour. I just don't feel like she. Is as, has much of a facility with it as some of those other filmmakers we were talking about. Mm. I think I, I thought I had some interesting ideas about not being able to deal with people changing or evolving around you or finding those around you moving on in your absence as you kind of mm. bury yourself in work or your own life. It's explored those things pretty basically, but mm. but I I didn't mind that. Although the performances were good, but I'm I don't know if you got, you two are as baffled as I am as to why. Um, Beecham won a Best Actress Award at Cannes for this. Yeah, where did that come oh, from? I did not know that. Yeah, that's yeah. A, the film starts with Best Actress Cannes, and it's like, I mean, she's fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with her performance, but it's not particularly revelatory, extraordinary work. It's like, was no, it a, no. just not many performances that I year? Was, <laughs> she, was, she was 
adequate. Yeah. Woofed, that is everyone, terrible. What well, a, no, what everyone was... Well, no, she probably she stood out as far as mm. you know because Ben Wishaw is just is doing his Ben Wishaw creepy Wishore. thing. Yeah, he's yeah. been quite creepy. The yeah. voice of Paddington himself being creepy. Yeah, I, di- I didn't realize he was Paddington. I love yeah. Paddington. I did not put that together. Ben I just Wishore know him from like weird ABC crime dramas that you might yeah. see at like eleven p.m. on a Thursday night. He's also he's got to work. He's got to work, doesn't he? <laughs> he's fully <laughs> rounded. Don't pigeonhole him. You That's Wishaw right. got to eat. <laughs> Um, I thought the most interesting performance is probably the boy who played Joe, the son, mm. Kit Connor. Mm. But he was really, really intriguing. Um, but again, but the yeah, generational I, gap thing. I don't understand what – I don't know. It just all felt really like they just hadn't gripped onto anything. And there was it, no mm. – The most interesting thing, though, was that at one point I was trying to work out the time. Like, when is this set? Yeah. And I was looking for things. And you just reminded me then, Paul, that um, at, once, at one point Joe wears a Kenny shirt – and I was like, well, mm. we're not too alternate reality because right. we're watching we're wearing so this this child is wearing like a South Park hoodie. So is this the year nineteen ninety nine? I, I <laughs> yeah. saw that and I thought maybe that's come back, back around. Yeah, yeah, maybe yeah like it's back Simpsons. In. Yeah, Simpsons, we're a Simpsons thing now. It's kind of cool. Yeah, mm. yeah. I so know, I feel we're like all old as hell. So we don't yeah, we got we got no context. Yeah. yeah so Zuma I was, kids, yeah, Zuma kids were growing up when that was on. So you know they're probably right into it now. Yeah. Yeah, so I thought that was – I was like, alternative future, but not too alternative? Mm. Like, where are we? Like, there's a lot of a lot left unsaid. Now-ish. A um, hyper-realised a hyper, um, kind of partly dystopian but partly utopian where everybody dresses really nice and has great hair. And, yeah. I mean, yeah. is the question, is the plant actually good or bad? Is that what they're trying to get us to think about? Because are they trying to say something about um, – uh, about, um, Medication for depression about, um, you know, the, the age of Lexapro. Mm. I did not go there. Because yeah. if they are, it's a boring thing to say, I think. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we're just all medicated. And yeah. Blah, blah, yeah, but blah. that's just such a teenage, Yeah, you know, like, whoa. Feel real feelings, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> no, yeah. I don't want to. No, yeah, no, I think, I think, yeah, I, I, I think your ultimate point, I think the ultimate point of this film does feel somewhat muddled. Yeah. Like it's it seems to it seems to gesture at a lot of things but not really get into any of them and, either way. and yeah and ends up being a colorful glacial body snatchers Limper. movie which mm. give me the give me the 70s Kaufman one any day. But again yeah, if you're going to Yeah. Sorry, I was just going to say if you're going to um do something like that you got to at least you got to one up on something, you know, like mm. Body mm. Snatchers just wins for uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers the 78 film uh just wins for paranoia. And mm. for for style and for this kind of social commentary and things, mm. I mean, a film like this needs social commentary, and I didn't really. Yeah, it just went out with a whimper. Yeah, or mm. wilted. Yeah, oh, that's very good. A, I, I, yeah. I had my notes here. I found it stylish and engaging, but not particularly thrilling, chilling, or enlightening. Mm. Yeah, no, I, none I, of those. I, I I agree. Yeah, hundred percent. That. On so that little. <laughs> so if you want to. Yeah. <laughs> See Sorry, something that's not particularly thrilling, chilling, or enlightening. Little Joe is now screening exclusively at Cinema Nova. You're listening to Primal Screen on Triple R. Triple R on FM, digital, online, via the app. You're listening to Primal Screen on Triple R with Fee Wright, Will Cox, and myself, Paul Anthony Nelson. It's not Emerson Flint. It's one of you. What the hell is that oh. supposed to be? Okay, well, what did her eyeballs say? Look, we don't understand. Could this please come out? I'm afraid I can't do that, Ranger Wheeler. You could be one of them. What is she? One of what? 
What? Werewolf. Werewolves Within is the second feature film directed by Josh Rubin. After a snowstorm traps the residents of the small town of Beaverfield together inside the local inn, newly arrived forest ranger Finn, Sam Richardson, and postal worker Cicely, Milana Vintroop, must try to keep the peace in a town already divided by a proposed pipeline and uncover the truth behind a mysterious creature that has begun terrorising the community, who is almost certainly inside the inn with them. Will, did this unexpected video game adaptation buck the trend of awful video game adaptations? No. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Sorry, I just had to be very direct. It didn't work for me. It didn't work for me at all. No, not at all. I, I, um... Again, it just <laughs> are you okay, Fee? <laughs> that that caught Fee on the hop, I think. Again, it just doesn't have any any depth. And I hate to repeat myself from, from little Joe, but it just, I don't understand the purpose of its existence. It's just oh, stepping through that. it's just stepping through the motions of a bunch of genre sort of cliches and a bunch of, you know, genre tropes and things that are fine. I mean, it's quite Edgar Wright at times. Yeah. But it's very, like, self-consciously kooky, extremely mannered dialogue, like that Joss Whedon voice that just permeates absolutely everything these days. Um, I just see Fee's written exactly that in her notes as well. (laughs) People don't talk. They trade quips. Mm. And everyone performs their characters over the top of each other. Mm. And maybe that's the point, but it feels like you're at an improv night. Oh, and yeah. everybody's a double act, and they're just like you it's know. You, don't you look like that. people. You look like comedians pretending to be people. Yeah, sorry, Paul. You had something. It's funny you say that because they're all U.S. comedy improv actors. Yeah, because um, one of them I recognise from Thirty Rock. Definitely um, one of the, the 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 gay in owner guys are definitely from Thirty Rock. Oh, so they have that like SNL kind of relationship, Saturday Night Live relationship. But, yeah, it felt like it was box-ticking, uh, box like, um, tropes. So, like, oh, this is the Knives Out slash Clue section. Yeah, okay. This is the yeah. Shaun of the Dead section. This is the Get Out section. This is – there was actually a lot of CSI and Law and Order kind of stuff as well. <laughs> right. I don't yeah, – like, um, with the scientist where she would, like, examine the body of something. Mm, okay. You know, and then she'd, like, put stuff into, like, vials and tubes and be like, damn it, it's not ready yet. You know, that whole um, – yeah, it was just – yeah. I, I noticed some of the cast have been involved with things like College Humor and, and, and things like that online, and mm. this feels like an extended College Humor sketch. Yeah. Uh, it's based on a video game. I don't really know anything about the video game. No, no. All. I actually tried to like see if I could play it before on it just because I was like, I'm interested to see what the game is in order to – like what is the script of the game to, to get to this? Mm. Um, and I couldn't actually access I, a copy yet. Yeah. I, it just reminded me of there's a bit in Succession – where one of the, uh, you know, a character who runs a, a large media conglomerate just says, bring me franchisable IP. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I just think that's, that's, that's an attempt at the, you know, that's yeah. gold dust at the moment, I suppose. Mm. But, I mean, I think more franchises fail than succeed See, ultimately. Yeah. But, and this- but that's, that's the big, big brass ring they're all after. Mm. Uh, I believe the game is a basic kind of you're trapped in a, like, as a snowstorm and you're trapped in a mm. place with a bunch of people, one of whom is a werewolf. I think that's because mm. um, what I've heard and read about the film is Ubisoft gave them quite a bit of latitude to go and do their own thing based around that concept and sprinkled 
various things about, you know, the game, but it's not sort of shackled to the game's mythos as mm. what a lot of um, these films are. I, I Look, I know it was a cold and grumpy weekend, but, jeez, two Killjoys sitting over here. <laughs> I enjoyed the hell out of this. I, I, it's Sure, it's earned comparisons with Knives Out. Some reviewers have called it Claws Out for its locked house murder mystery serving as a microcosm for a divided America. And, yeah, sure, it's not nearly as clever, sharp, or unpredictable as that movie. But I feel like I kind of like the... I thought the characters could have been a lot more annoying than they were. And really, I Is, is that a redeeming that, quality, though? Could they have been? That they, oh, <laughs> yes. you know, they're not too annoying. Yeah. You know? yeah. They could have been more <laughs> annoying. They could have been a lot more annoying. Um, <laughs> I've, I've seen films where they're a lot more annoying. I... Found they were either kind of bizarrely eccentric or very likable. I thought the leads were enormously likable. I thought uh, Sam Richardson as Finn and Milena Vintrub as as Sicily were wonderful. Yeah, Sicily I, I, was probably the strongest manic tri- for me. Manic pixie boob girl, though. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. But and, but I mean, but I understand the tr- like. I understand what's going on. Yeah, but yeah, yeah I agree with you, Fee, mm. because I don't really buy that because. It does try and swing it around. It sets her up as this sort of too-good-to-be-true Manic Pixie Dream Girl. It does sort of swing it around as a comment on that. But I think mm. presenting a female protagonist in a lazy and cliched way she likes and then saying... and axes and 90s music. And then saying, aha, that was deliberate. That's still lazy. Yeah. You know, I think um, we passed that maybe over a decade ago. Yeah, with Edgar Wright. Yeah, with Edgar Wright. <laughs> sure. And, you know, I don't know... Um, it's, 30-odd days of summer. 500. 500. 500 days. Yeah. Zoe Deschanel, who made and ended the the era of Manic Pixie. You should do a whole show devoted to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Oh, New Girl. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah. So, um, I don't know. I just thought we were past that. Not that the culture is one great big sort of behemoth that moves along and, you know. Yeah, there's a lot of things that happen in movies these days that we're well past that seem to keep happening, though. That's true. uh, like I don't know, I I like that the ranger's strength was that he was just a nice person. That actually uh, was quite endearing. Oh yeah, that was that he couldn't, he didn't, he would apologize after swearing and things. I I did I did enjoy that, and that's also like how you would imagine, or at least my mental imagining of a park ranger hmm. would be someone yes. that would be like very polite, well mannered, and pick up rubbish and not yeah, swear just and try and make sure everyone's okay. And yeah. actually, really nice to see a lead. But particularly a male lead, I think these days, who's not absolutely cut. Mm, He's just a normal-looking yes. guy. Yeah, it's yeah. really rare. He was a gentle soul. Even, yeah, but even gentle souls and um, you know, um, sort of nerdy characters and oh, that yeah, they yeah. are just you know they at some point they take their shirt off and they've got a ten pack and it doesn't make any sense. No, um, is that just me? Who no, feels no, that, like- is, no. that exists. That is yeah. real. Yeah. It's it's yeah it's certainly become a thing now and it's funny it's like as I feel like with a lot of you know with a lot of women in films at times now you know you you've got stars coming up like who are more you know body positive or natural you know not necessarily super athletic women but for guys it's like no no you still need to have a ten <laughs> <laughs> well I think it's more recent you know I think because obviously yeah. women have been coping with it. Decades, yeah, but and that's and, the thing. And, and I think man, as the it's dial come, started it's just come up. to turn, yeah, yeah, dad bods it's like back. in the last ten years, as the dial started to finally, the pressures finally started to come off women. We're the real it's... victims here, yeah, <laughs> Paul. exactly, right? <laughs> uh, but but sometimes it's hilarious. Like I don't know, I saw the Ryan Reynolds um, 
uh, Amateurville Horror a few a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. and it's like he's just like a regular suburban dad. It's, of course, it's he is. Yeah, mm-hmm. mansion, and then he gets his shirt off and he looks like he works out thirty seven hours a day, eight days a week, <laughs> and it's just like what the. Nobody looks like this. He's probably got a clause in his contract, you know. Like, yeah, <laughs> I might. There's actually the only time that I will accept this scenario at all is in um, the Good Place television show, where mm. one character, Cheedy, is very, very buff, and it becomes a joke because he has such high levels of anxiety. The way he copes with his anxiety is to work out. Yeah, and yeah. so that is why he's super buff, is right. Because he's and, anxious, yeah. and that's how he copes with his anxiety. There's a character in Parks and Recreation who's got the same. Which I'm watching oh, now yes. for the first time. Yes, yes. So I'm t- t- perpetually Chris. ten years behind. Yeah, and Chris has has the same. Chris thing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know, when you just get a suburban dad, or yeah, just, <laughs> it's very strange. Yeah, just an ordinary guy. You're like, no, no, you don't yeah. go to work and then do that. You just it doesn't make sense. The, yeah. um, I mean, it's, I guess same as salt of the earth moms with you know lots of plastic surgery. It's like. Mm. And artfully yeah. um, styled hair. The um, I also the the one thing I actually thought that I had high hopes for this. I had high hopes for this movie, and it, it, they kind of linked in with. I was like, "Is this going to be Shaun of the Dead, but political with the pipeline development um, mm. storyline?" Which is kind of like petered out. Yeah, where did that go? Yeah, sorry, sorry. I just wanted to sorry to take it away from people's bodies and bring it back to the. No, room. no. Let's no. Uh, sorry, what? Sorry to take the conversation back to what we're actually talking about. Uh, but did, did <laughs> not anyone our weird else, sidebar. Did anyone else actually kind of end the movie and sit there and go, huh? So what happened with that whole gas pipe thing? No, not really. I sort of, I don't know, by about halfway through, I was like, oh, they're just chucking stuff against the wall and seeing what sticks here. I don't think that yeah. they. It, yeah. it sounds, I don't know. It, it feels like it's um, like that's going somewhere near the beginning. But mm. just, it seems to be put in there because it feel, it's got the feel of something that should be there. Mm. Like the whole film, really. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> it's it's something that kind for... of sets the scene, like that kind of gives them something to, you know, again, mm. it's this microcosm of America thing. But that's and first drafty it, stuff, isn't it? Well, yeah. It should... it's, well, it's, I, don't, I mean... <laughs> Not so much first draft. You're really killing this movie for me. You oh, can't, I'm sorry. Like, I don't know why I keep getting you two on this show. You're allowed to destroy films for me. You're allowed to enjoy it, have fun. You well, know. Look, it... No, apparently I'm not. Uh... <laughs> hey, I liked I liked Cube hey, look, when everyone else hated that. This was the most fun film we had to watch all week. So, Actually, like, yeah, yeah. It was... Give me a little joy. It was it. Yeah. It okay. was quite silly, and it, in its in, yes. it did have a, a fun schlocky heart. No, no yeah, okay, yep. There we go. Yeah, that, am I, am, Melbourne's weather is cold but and my heart is cold, but maybe it's a little warmer now. <laughs> I was really looking forward to it. You know, yeah. Hey, I like some dumb stuff. Yeah, well, I just, just said I liked Cube, so, you know. Yeah, well, yeah. there you go. There you go. <laughs> Are you going to be rushing out to see the hitman's wife's bodyguard? Probably not, but I just saw Fast and the Furious 9 and I really oh, liked it. Oh, yeah, okay. can't wait. Oh, man, it's yeah. good. Oh, is I'm, that on see, this I'm, week I'm Fast and Furious allergic. <laughs> I've only seen one of them. It was fine, but it's like it felt like the only one I need to see. Was it no. the first one? It was Fast Five. Uh, okay. So in the yeah. first one, they just steal DVD players. That's yeah. the, they just yes. like a bunch and of car play, guys. And they drag race cars and yeah. now they're superheroes. And in the ninth one, there's super spies and it's like, <laughs> assemble the crystals and save the world. <laughs> like, whoa. What happened How in the that? intervening? I haven't seen the intervening eight films. I have no idea what happened. That's the way to watch it, though. Oh, I will really? never, I will never find ninth. out. I've seen the first and I've seen the ninth. That's, that's amazing. Whip- that, that's some narrative whiplash. <laughs> <laughs> and 
and a car goes to space and characters are, I saw it with a with a friend of mine who's uh you know hardened fan of the franchise and he was just like oh this character came back to life this character um oh no she's not dead oh my god that's crazy I hope that's not a spoiler I've no idea I didn't know what was going on most of the time and you're like, didn't they just like <laughs> drag Subarus in Miami? At yeah, some yeah, they point? did. Like, no, it was it was in LA. Yeah, but LA. like, get why? It, get it yeah, right, Paul. and get Tokyo it right. in the third one, obviously. <laughs> yeah, the drifting. But, yeah, 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 drifting. But um, no, it was it was baffling. I was like, oh, why are we in Edinburgh now? It's like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> don't don't overthink it. Maybe that's the approach we should have taken with Werewolves Within. Oh yeah, no, but the don't thing, overthink it. It wasn't. I don't know. It just seems far more satisfying. Just, just mm. a total um, understanding of its own absurdity. Mm. I'm sorry to absolutely derail this conversation about Werewolves Within. I just felt like I had to say something about a film I really liked in the to, last to, to, week to, or two. To, to, rebalance, to rebalance the... So I don't um, sound like a total killjoy monster. Just a hater. Uh, <laughs> that's right. Um, look, yeah, I... I I will grant you it is not the most uh, original. I don't know. I I think I just I enjoyed I enjoy the actors. You were along I for the, the ride. Pepper. You don't you don't need to justify. Are I was all... along for the ride. What yeah. can I tell you? Yeah, it probably doesn't like. I know I'm hosting a film criticism program, and that's probably not the way to approach things. No. Criticize the it, film. I need. Well, might have some of that coming up. Um, oh. It's absolutely on, I'm afraid, because, okay, go on. <laughs> so, uh, Werewolves Within is now screening at selected major and independent cinemas. You're listening to Primal Screen on Triple R. Triple R. You're listening to Primal Screen on Triple R with Will Cox, Fee Wright, and myself, Paul Anthony Nelson. It's land, Sandra, going to waste. Use it. Build a house for you and your girls. Dr. Ozellis, why would you do this? Your mother was far more than a cleaner to me. She was a friend. She helped me through some bloody awful times. Herself is the third feature film directed by Phyllida Lloyd. After surviving a horrific beating at the hands of her abusive husband, young mother Sandra, played by Claire Dunn, also the film's uh, co-screenwriter, seeks to rebuild her life from scratch and provide a safe home for her two young daughters. In order to do so, she must escape the grip of her possessive ex-partner, circumnavigate a broken housing system, and bring together a community of friends who can support her and lend a helping hand. Fee, how did you find this? Well, it felt at points to me... um, like it was a documentary even though it was a film because I just knew so many women that had to navigate the cycle of leaving an abusive partner, the bureaucracy of the court system and then also the bureaucracy of housing. Um, I To say that I loved it isn't the right adjective because it was quite distressing at points but I did find it very, very moving and quite interesting in a way that I felt like I knew I felt like I knew Sandra because I knew a lot of women that had been through what she had been through. Um, and I actually just wrote down then um, if this conversation or thinking about this film um, makes you distressed at all, you can give safe safe steps a call um, on one eight hundred zero one five or one eight eight or Lifeline on one three double one. One four. I know that it wasn't perhaps 
the way it was shot maybe wasn't particularly interesting in lots of those sorts of ways, but I found um, her portrayal as so deeply compelling. Like I just I couldn't look away. What did what what was everyone else's thoughts? I I will say I loved it because mm. I think apart I mean obviously it's very difficult subject matter but it's just so positive. It mm. just feels like it's you know somebody's uh it's about somebody who's absolutely been put through it and is coming out the other side is absolutely indomitable and I just thought that was yeah it mm. was it was really powerful stuff and mm. it's got in that vein of like a a Ken Loach sort of social drama yeah. a bit Mike Lee maybe like mm. I, I Daniel Blake you know, mm, the similar mm. kind of um, thing about um, navigating systems, people being forgotten by these. And the shame of those experiences and yeah. the questions that people get asked in those scenarios. Yeah, And like you say, much, yeah. a lot of people in Australia go through that because it's just needlessly punitive and cruel the way that the system's put together. Mm. Um, I don't know much about the state of the Irish system, but it sounds similar. So seems it pretty similar. Seems I mean, to... yeah, it seems pretty similar, especially with the housing market around um, major cities. You know, yeah. Yeah. What about what about you, Paul? Because you, you you hinted you ha- you gave hints yeah. earlier. Now now are you are you going to be the the cold hearted naysayer on the other side of the table? Well, a little bit. I, <laughs> I look. I really admire this film's intentions and aims, and its heart is obviously in the right place. I felt like early on. I think one thing it really gets right is depicting the sheer terror of having an abusive partner out there mm. in the world. Mm. Whenever you see him, you have this kind of physical gut reaction. Mm. Whenever she, mm-hmm. you know, come across him, um, there's some lovely scenes between um, the mother and daughters. I don't know. I just felt as it went on, it became more idealized and and melodramatic. And really? so many story beats in this film also felt like for a film that was striving for social realism. And I love I love that Ken Loach, Mike Lee style stuff. And that stuff always feels so hard won. Everything just felt very easy after a certain point. And it, it, it's, things seem to really fall into place for Sandra a lot of the times, even in this, you know, horrible hellscape. Really? It, I don't even know, in the court the... scene where they were like, why didn't you leave sooner? Because mm. that oh, was towards yeah. like, the end. But that's the thing. Her speech is great. And, and mm. like, she's not saying anything wrong. Like, the speech mm. is great. But it's the kind of movie where that speech fan. I mean, I know a social mm. realist film would have the court go, that's. That's great, and we hear you. But unfortunately, you know, like what a, a lot of family courts really do to people. Mm. And I just felt like there were too many times where the, it, it wasn't sort of a forever went though for the inspiration rather oh, yeah. than the reality. I, I and feel like it would have been too relentless. You know, she needed a bit of a break. I, I feel like it, it, it's relentless for about the first half hour, and then after that, is pretty upbeat for the next hour. And and there's and you know, I mean, there's one bit near the end which is which is you know kind of shattering but you sort of feels that, that you know they'll all come together and i don't know and what does it say that the only i mean the only way to surmount the hellscape of a family court system is to have a cashed up angel give you the land and bankroll your entire operation like it's not exactly that's not a hugely positive outlook is it no I mean, that's that's not uplifting in that sense no. the only way to but survive it, the housing market is to have you know the only reason you know she gets asked why didn't she leave before it's like she had nowhere to go mm. Yeah, um, and the moment that you're hinting at towards the end, Paul, that mm. destroyed me 
in, I was basically catatonic on the couch at about 4.30 this afternoon. I literally, I, I very rarely get surprised in films, but I literally screamed no at the screen and burst into tears. Mm. I was so um, connected with Sandra's story and I just f- just wanting her to have a win. Yeah. I felt I felt like it was inevitable. <gasps> wow. Yeah. I, just, I don't know. I My partner and I watch a lot of social realist films yeah. and like stuff like Gary Oldman's Neil by Mouth and yeah. Paddy Considine's Tyrannosaur and stuff like that. And I just sort of felt like this felt, I don't know, it, it felt so much. You think it felt well, a, bit, a bit of a fantasy maybe? A bit. A little bit. Yeah. Like a little bit at a certain point. Like it's very, like it starts with this reality and then becomes this sort of fantasy to a certain extent. And, you know, like, Maybe it's because I was approaching it as a social realist film that I was mm. disappointed. And maybe mm. if I – because, again, like, Christ, I mean, who – has anyone earned a fantasy more mm. <laughs> than mm. victims of domestic abuse? And so on that basis, if if I went in with it on that sort of basis, then perhaps I wouldn't have been quite so disappointed. I'm going, okay, well, this is what this is. This is, this is a, you know. But I don't know. It just – yeah, and, and and it felt like somebody, it, I don't know, like it, parts of it felt less like lived, like her lived experience and someone who'd observed or magpied different stories, which is fine. I'm not necessarily the kind of person who's going to say, oh, you have to have lived this in order to have written it. Mm. But it did feel yeah. a little, I don't know. Mm. Yeah, I, it's hard because, you know, it's it's tricky subject matter and it's, but I don't. Yeah, I, I just did. The, the film could have. Yeah, I, it just lacked that impact for me. It just felt a little, as you say. Oh, oh yeah, it's. Can I just say it's, it's a very strange one coming from, um, Felita Lloyd as well. Yeah, it's her third film, and her first two films are Mamma Mia. Yes, and that's right. The Iron Lady about <laughs> Margaret Thatcher. And neither of those... Don't pigeonhole her. No, I'm, absolutely. <laughs> she can do anything but, um, at this stage. But I, I, I don't thought Iron Lady was really didn't have any heart to it, funnily mm. enough. I don't know how, how you get <laughs> a heart Willikers, in it. Gene yeah. yeah. But um, maybe she was just, um, given the compassion on display here, she was just fighting against revulsion for Thatcher. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, especially with the housing market conversations. I mean, maybe you just – it was a big-budget project, you know. It was uh, – what's his name who wrote that? Oh, I can't just bring up somebody and forget their name immediately. Um, but again, uh, this is community radio. <laughs> but, um, you know, it was. I think it was a, a big-budget project and it was – It was um, maybe she, she was a bit hamstrung by the circumstances, but I just – yeah, it, it it feels like a very different filmmaker who made this to made Iron Lady. Mm. Yeah, I yeah. I couldn't connect. I I knew that Mamma Mia, and I couldn't connect. I had struggle. I, I struggled to connect Mamma Mia to this as well, because I I as much like I've watched a lot of those those gritty realist drama things, and I felt like nothing nothing is for sure. Nothing is lined up. Nothing is connected. Like um. You know, she has ongoing stuff that she has to do in regards to custody with her children. You know, I, I didn't feel like everything was tied up neatly with a, in a bow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like, Paul, you had the exact opposite feeling that everything was just a bit too neat and tidy. A little bit, yeah. I felt yeah. like her life was absolute chaos. And 
um, you know, a controlled chaos, but but there was nothing easy about it. I don't think. Mm. I don't. Know. It's just like, uh, come help mm. me with my house. Everyone just comes over and helps. Like it's it's. Oh, but the way know, she asked uh, those his questions. Friend, here's, here's a bunch of money. Built this here. Like oh, it's it just those questions though. That, and, and that then, hit me so hard. The way she's the, asking for help and she's giving everyone outs. I don't know. It just that felt very very real to me, having known people to ask those kinds of questions. Where you're like. Look, could you help me? I understand if you're busy. It's okay if you're busy. Look, I just I just wanted to ask, you know, and mm. then there's all these shame feelings around that mm. as well. And also these a scenario like this, which, you know, for the benefit of the listener, uh, she needs to build – she gets the opportunity to build a house for her and her family mm. very, very cheaply, a kind mm. of tiny house, I guess, and mm. she just asks friends and they come and help. But I, I, I have no – People who have been in circumstances mm. like that, and people have come and helped. Yeah, people really come out for it. Uh, come out to bat for people in situation like that. But um, I yeah, so I didn't think it it felt untrue. Mm. Yeah, I definitely. Yeah. Maybe maybe I just have less faith in humanity. <laughs> I don't know. You enjoyed Werewolves Within. That was you know you saw the humanity in the in the directorial process with that. <laughs> um, yeah. Again, maybe that was about you know. People who weren't who were pretty terrible to each other. I thought there were um, some really lovely moments in the film as well. There was just a moment where they're all sort of sitting around the fire uh, mm. in the, in the house. In the, this woman who's a benefactor, uh, they're just sitting there, and it's just silent for about five or ten seconds. And I just mm. thought that's you know, and it's quite a hectic pace a lot of the time. This film, and that's that's a real moment of clarity and solace. It was really worthwhile. I also enjoyed its commitment to crappy transistor radios. Yeah, yeah. And like a lot of Robin, in, wasn't there on the scene? Yeah, Robin, on the Robin and Sia. Robin and, and Sia. A lot of Sia, yeah. Yeah, um, but I just – I really enjoyed the fact that it's a building site mm. and so there is just a crappy transistor radio blaring out some pop music irritating the neighbours. That just <laughs> – I was like, this could be anywhere, anywhere mm. in Melbourne right now. <laughs> transistor radio, pop music, neighbours going, can you keep it down? It's before 9 a.m. on a Saturday. Yeah, no – because we are building this woman a house. And you can <laughs> swear word. You could stick it there. Yeah, yes. Exactly. Um, yeah, look, obviously, well, we haven't seen I Twire really on any yeah. of Are you going to invite us back? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I feel I'm on thin ice. <laughs> yeah. Look, we, 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 we're all in pretty much in line on little Joe. We had that. Oh, yeah. The, oh, yeah. yeah. Those were the days. Yeah, that uh, hour ago. Yeah, <laughs> reminisce. So, but look, I'm glad you two enjoyed this a lot more. I will uh, admire this a, a lot more than than I did. And again, yeah, can't fault its its um its intention and aims. So herself is now screening at selected major and independent cinemas. You're listening to Primal Screen on Triple R. Triple R. You've been listening to Primal Screen on Triple R with Fee Wright, Will Cox, and myself, Paul Anthony Nelson. We reviewed Little Joe, which is now screening exclusively at Cinema Nova, and Werewolves Within and Herself, both now screening at most major and independent cinemas. Uh, <laughs> next week, as the Marvel Universe makes its return to cinemas after a two-year break, I'll be joined by guests Lee Zachariah and Stephen A. Russell for a Marvel Spotlight, in which we'll discuss Kate Shortland's Black Widow as well as two retro Marvel Studios titles we've loved. Find out what corners of the MCU we'll be exploring on our social media channels later this week. A huge thank you to Morty Osborne for editing the Primal Screen podcast, Carl Chapman for panelling the show and providing producing assistance. 
Thanks for listening to Primal Screen, a weekly radio show airing Monday evenings on Triple R. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast version and feel free to get in touch via the Primal Screen Facebook page or the Triple R website. 